Hello, I'm back. Did you miss me? Hello, renegades. Welcome to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane, if you haven't noticed. And, um, want to give a big welcome to Denmark and the United Arab Emirates that are now listening. Thank you so much for joining the Renegade family. We treat you very well, and I appreciate you. So, it's another Rogue News segment today, because... I'm running out of ideas. <laughs> no, no, just give me time. I'll uh, update all the other segments that I have. So, but right now, we're just gonna jump right in to the trenches. So, let's go. As always, you know the drill. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, contact me on any of the links down in the description below. I also have a Spoon account, so if you're on Spoon and you want to see me chill and not talk about political stuff and things that get me mad and passionate, go right on ahead and add me on Spoon. I would love to uh, talk to you there. So, yes, let's begin with the politics. Okay, listen, this has nothing to do with the story that I'm about to read, but I just want to kind of put it out there. Biden and Trump, honestly, gave us some, you know, stimulus checks during the pandemic. Biden also decided to uh, have inflation throughout the country. Do you see what's going on? The nation has to get back, or the government has to get back all that money that they gave you for free. Um, just, just putting it out there. Anyway, let's just get right into the story. So, House Republicans discuss Democrats' $5 trillion social spending bill. So, Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy, Republican of California, and uh, fellow House Republicans hosted news conference... Uh, to discuss Joe Biden's multi-trillion dollar social spending bill. I'd like to know what it's all about. What is a social spending bill? And why do we have to know about it? That's what I have to know. But anyway, the GOP leaders uh, held a press conference on Wednesday where they addressed the left's $5 trillion social spending package that could potentially put the country in the largest debt in history. Yes, yes, the Second Great Depression. Hopefully that don't happen, but you know, we have a raisin as a president. So, yeah. Um, several Republican leaders criticized the uh, current administration's policies and addressed their concerns over the country's current supply chain crisis. They added if the measure is passed, it could create the biggest economic downfall for future generations. Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, Republican of New York, uh, further discussed how this upcoming holiday discussion 
I'm sorry, holiday season, will be the most expensive in the country's history due to inflation, and yet um, spending more money is seemingly the only thing on the left's wish list. The New York representative also noted how the country's border crisis worsens every day, um, pointing out the social spending legislation would grant thousands of illegal immigrants amnesty if passed. Wow. See, um, what I said in the beginning actually does tie to this. I didn't even read it beforehand. I just kind of said it because I needed to say it. But, um, yeah. All that money that we did get with the stimulus checks is now we're paying for it during this inflation process. And now what's happening is that the more money that we spend in order to live, they're spending all of the money that they get back from us on stupid stuff. Democrats want to hire an army of 87,000 IRS agents to get even more money out of families' bank accounts. Yeah, so that they can get you to file for unemployment, so they don't really have to worry about you, you're living off the government, they're fine with that. Or, they're giving you stimulus checks and then inflating everything higher and higher until everybody's homeless. I work in a recovery center. I don't like to talk about my occupation that much just because of confidentiality. But homelessness, I will say, is at a high right now. Anyway, to spend on radical things like 450,000 payments uh, to illegal immigrants and tree equity, um, no wonder 71% of Americans think the country is headed in the wrong direction. Yep. GOP minority whip Steve Scalise, um, Republican of Louisiana, um, I think that's what it is. It says L.A., so I'm thinking Louisiana. Anyway. Elaborated on Stefanik's remarks, adding the bill will hire 87 more IRS agents funded by taxpayers if passed. Uh, meanwhile, as Republicans continue to expose the truth behind two a 2,000-page legislation, the Biden administration hopes to pass the, uh, the Build Back Better uh, bill this week. In addition, um, Democrats have been making efforts to rebrand the bill as an anecdote to fight inflation. You're the one who caused inflation in the first place, okay? I don't know. From what I said in the beginning, it would be technically Trump's fault, but I don't want to blame him because he's not the one that put that into motion. He probably sent out stimulus checks in order to just help the people of America. He wasn't actually trying to just get people to be unemployed and feeding them stimulus check after stimulus check. That was Biden doing that. But anyway, no. I mean, Biden is now spending all of that money that we spend on high prices of gas and food and... So, no matter what we do, it's spending and spending and spending. Nothing is being kept in the banks. 
at some point stock markets may crash and people are going to be forced into poverty again just like the Great Depression what can I say Democrats are stupid Okay, we are going to look for another one. This one says, GOP senators slam Biden for high cost of their Thanksgiving dinner. Or America, American people's Thanksgiving dinner this year. So, Republican senators from America's heartland are blaming Joe Biden um, and his fellow Democrats for raising food inflation. Um, according to experts, this Thanksgiving will be the most expensive ever and GOP lawmakers believe it is all thanks to the failed policies of the current administration. You don't say! While appearing together, the three Republican senators took aim at the tax and spending policies of Biden's White House. Senator John Boozman, a Republican of Arkansas, slammed Democrats for harming the American economy by refusing to address key issues and work across the aisle. Uh, I would argue many of the policies that are being done, the massive increase in spending, are actually adding to the problem, said the Arkansas Republican. Uh, it's not the delivery truck driver's fault, and it's not the store's fault. The blame falls so- or squarely on the White House and the Democrat leadership in the this chamber and house for not addressing the challenges we face today. Echoing those sentiments, John uh, Senator John Thune, Thune, South Dakota, um, warned Americans will pay more to eat on Thanksgiving than ever before, and the Democrats are to blame. This is going to be the most expensive Thanksgiving for American fla- families this history, or in history. Um, he stated the turkey itself is going to be 18% higher than uh, it was last year. Other costs, eggs, poultry, fish, meat, year over year, have increased 11.9%. Thune said his constituents um, in South Dakota, like most Americans, are um, going to see their heating bill and other utilities skyrocket this winter on tope or on top. Why do they say on top? <laughs> on top of that, gas prices are at a seven-year high. Um, if you're heating your home or cooking your food, utilities in South Dakota tell us um, heating costs are going to be 50 to 100% higher than last year, Fune continued. Um, I've been warning about this since last February when the Democrats are were talking about passing their first massive tax spending bill and since that time we've seen the highest inflation rate in 31 years. Also joining in, Senator John Corin, R. Texas, Republican Texas. I love Texas. I've never been there. I would love to actually move there someday. But said the American people are not only dealing with inflation, they are also seeing their wages 
uh, stagnant, resulting in a silent tax. The fact of the matter is, no one's wages are going at that rate, explained the Texas lawmaker. And so what's happening, effectively, is purchasing power for people in or unlimited income or fixed income is a silent tax on those customers. Representative Mike Johnson, whether it, uh, it's the most expensive Thanksgiving history, inflation, and skyrocketing gas prices, or our overwhelmed southern, southern border, um, one thing is for certain. The answer to the countless Democrat-caused uh, crises um, is not more Democrat-authored policies. So let's just listen to him. It probably was exactly what Madam Speaker, during what should be a period of sustained economic recovery, job growth has stalled. Consumer prices are skyrocketing and many shelves are empty thanks to supply chain choke points. Nevertheless, uh, House Democrats are forging ahead to pass their 2,100-page reckless tax and spending spree. Before they even know how it impacts the budget and before the American people can understand even what's in it, which is certain to drive up consumer prices even further and make job growth that much harder. Make no mistake, this bill is a clunker. If you can stomach the price tag and look underneath the hood, you'll see tax breaks for the rich. You'll see incentives to stay home instead of going back to work. Massive taxpayer subsidies for inefficient green energy sources and fewer cures for rare diseases. Mm -hmm. The bill eliminates jobs. It reduces paychecks. It increases government dependency. It crushes small businesses. It repeals longstanding protections against taxpayer funding of abortions. And it taxes American companies at a higher rate than communist China. Yeah, that's all in the bill. Wow, During our time this China afternoon, already. in addition to the House wow. Democrats' disastrous left-wing agenda, my colleagues and I will be discussing the many self-inflicted crises of the Biden administration, whether it's the most expensive Thanksgiving in history, inflation, skyrocketing, skyrocketing uh, gas prices, or our overwhelmed southern border. One thing is for certain. The answer to the countless Democrat-caused crises is not more Democrat-authored policies. I thank my colleagues for being here today, and I yield two minutes to my friend, the gentleman from Ohio, Mr. Johnson. Wow. All right. That was uh, U.S. Congressman Mike Johnson saying his piece. Uh, meanwhile, a new survey found uh, just around a third of Americans approve Biden's job performance. Are you kidding me? A third? Around... A third. Okay, well, it, it's not awful. It's a lot better than three quarters, but still, there's still people out there that stand behind Biden. After everything that he has done to dismantle the nation, y'all are nuts! Okay, well, anyway... In the Quinnipiac University poll of adults released Thursday, 36—wow, what the heck was that? 36% of the respondents uh, had a favorable view of how Biden is handling the job, while 53% disapproved. Okay. Um, were they all Gen Z? 
Additionally, respondents did not approve of the Democrats' handling of the coronavirus pandemic, the economy, and foreign policy, among other issues. The survey also notably found the majority of uh, respondents believe Biden does not have good leadership skills and is dishonest. Oh, wow, you don't say. Really? I would never guess. Okay, on to our third story. Let's find something interesting. Um, I mean, it's America. Nothing's really interesting anymore because we got a sack of skin for a president. Um, anyway. Let's see here. I am going to search for something interesting. Give me a second. Alright, it seems like we're low on politics today, but uh, we're going to read this one. Michigan Secretary of State candidate uh, gets Trump endorsement. So, Christina Caramo uh, is an unlikely candidate for statewide office. However, uh, she has received 45th President Trump's uh, latest endorsement for Michigan Secretary of State. A deeply conservative and... um, are a deeply conservative Christian adjunct professor at small Christian college. Um, she has never held public office before. That's kind of like how I how I like to see things happen for people. If they're passionate about something and they know their stuff, they, they know and they're intelligent, they know what's going on, they, they have the smarts in order to do something, and they're thrown into the ring, I like that. It's because we need new people in like political positions like that. But I, I, that's what I'd like to see. Um, although Karamo felt she had to do something to fix Mich- Michigan's election systems, calling the 2020 presidential election in her state stolen for Joe Biden, uh, after the election uh, issues perceived weakness by Republicans to push back against it, she decided it was time to throw her hat in the ring and to be Michigan's next Secretary of State. Karamo believes that millions of uh, Michiganders uh, stay home every election because they don't feel their vote counts. She added, communities feel the media lies about votes when they bring up the legitimate security concerns. Um, very true, just because it didn't matter last year because of how fixed it was. There was so many different videos of evidence of people fixing the ballots, throwing away ballots, ripping them up, uh, using deceased people names, like deceased names, um, on the ballot as votes for, you know, Biden and... Then the whole explosion in Tennessee, you can't tell me that that wasn't fixed because that van that blew up was right next to where they were counting all the ballots. Anyway, and I, as a poll challenger, and many others came forward to warn the public about the multiple statute violations we saw on or in the last election, said Karamo. Um... And what happened? The media turned around and called us liars. 
we have seen multiple times our media protecting corrupt government officials and you wonder why things don't change in our state. Um, it's my honor to have been endorsed by the great American patriot and President Donald J. Trump for the office of Michigan Secretary of State. I'm running for this office not as a politician but as a servant leader. Michigan first. I love that. Endorsement of Christina Caramo. Highly respected Christina Caramo has complete and total endorsement to run for Secretary of State by the great state of Michigan. Uh, She is strong on crime, including the uh, massive crime of election fraud. Christina will fight for you like no other and of equal importance, she will fight for justice. Good luck, Christina. Uh, and while you're at it, check out the fake election results <laughs> and uh, that took place in the city of Detroit. I love that. That's from President Trump. <laughs> um, let's see. Her public profile became nationwide when she testified in front of the Michigan Senate as a Republican poll challenger, Karamo claimed while vote counting was going on in Detroit, she witnessed Democrat counters and administrators violating the state law. According to her, a vote came in with both presidential candidates filled out on the ballot, but administrators counted for Biden instead of throwing the vote out. So they basically just falsely put Biden when they when people voted for Trump. Okay. The poll worker then said, I think I'm gonna give it to the Democrats. That's absolutely absurd, Karamo said, stressed. Um, that is illegal. The vote should have been tossed out. Uh, at that moment, I said, absolutely not. I'm gonna challenge this. So I go get her supervisor, and then her supervisor defers uh, to her and says, well, what do you think? And I'm like, what do you think? It doesn't matter what you think, it's the law. Exactly! There's so many people out there that think that they're above the law, especially when they work on governmental jobs. Um, when when it comes to stuff like that, I don't know where it comes from, wh- whether they're power-hungry, maybe, I don't know. Do you really want to see Biden in office? Uh, do you regret it yet? Uh, this pushback against alleged election fraud was given Karamo a boost, or has given Karamo a boost in recognition for her to run against uh, incu- Y'all gotta throw a word in there that I do not recognize. Incubant. Democrat Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson for her push. Uh, She has received the most converted endorsement or coveted endorsement in the Republican politics, uh, which is that of 45th President Trump. Yes. The King of the Red Kingdom. I love it. Anyway. um, Trump called her tough on crime, including the crime of election fraud. This endorsement has also attracted the attention of Democrat-friendly media. CNN 
recently remembered she existed, uh, all to imply she's just another far-right conspiracy theorist. The single mom of two has recognized that being a firebrand isn't necessarily the best way to win a statewide election, especially one uh, who is on record calling public schools introductions or intro or indo oh indoctrination centers what let me read that again the single mom of two uh has recognized that being a firebrand isn't isn't necessarily the best way to win a station a statewide election i cannot read um especially one who is on record calling public schools indoctrination centers. Actually, um, within the last year, it kind of has been because you let teachers in there talk about homosexuality, transgenderism, and confusing kids in elementary school when kids aren't supposed to be learning about that because all they care about is playing with their blocks. You know, stuff like that. So yes, it is an indoctrination center. It's not a school where you learn history, English, and science anymore. People learn about gay sex. There's children books being let in elementary schools about gay sex, fisting, masturbation, and all of that other stuff. Why do you want to indo- Oh my god. I'm pissed already. Um, why do you want to indoctrinate young children about masturbation and sexuality and gay pride and all that stuff. Children are innocent. Why do you want an impression upon them like that? Why, why do you want to push that upon them unless you're a pedophile? So, you know, mm-hmm. You want a gay kid? You want kids to be gay? Um, stop grooming them. Stop it. Democrats are groomers. Anyway, she also understands that she has to win over people who may not buy into every point she believes personally. One of the things that I've tried to be very uh, cognizant about, uh, you know, I'm running a statewide race and I understand having to win the hearts and minds of people who may not necessarily think like me, Karamo stated. Karamo faces two other Republicans for the nomination, which takes place um, via convention instead of a primary. If she is able to go on to win the nomination and general election against Benson, she would become Michigan's first ever black woman to be elected statewide. That is awesome. I, for one, stand with you Karamo I encourage you I you got my vote you got well I don't live in Michigan darn it but you know you have my support Okay, MHA fans, my Hero Academia fans, here we go. Five times All Might was a bad mentor, and five times he wasn't. 
All Might was the perfect number one hero, but sometimes he struggles to be a good teacher and mentor to Midoriya. Um, as My Hero Academia, number one hero, All Might, is celebrated for reducing villainy uh, as the symbol of peace. He's worshipped by the masses and is an inspiration to heroes and students. Uh, let's see. But though All Might is the greatest hero, he struggles when it comes to being a hero teacher. My Hero Academia. Ten... Wait, what? Okay. Do I click it? What? Okay. Ten. Sorry. All Might crushed Midoriya's dreams when he left him on a roof. What? Oh, I remember the first time. As a quirkless individual, Midoriya spent his entire life being bullied. 80% of the population is gifted with the quirk. And because Midoriya is that small 20% who doesn't have treated like an outsider. Close that ad. I hate those. Uh... Even with the bullying, Midoriya still dreams to be a hero. So, it had to be completely devastating when his hero told him he couldn't be one. Although All Might's reasoning is sound, he didn't consider how his harsh words would affect Midoriya's mental health. It was irresponsible to leave a child on the roof of a building unattended <laughs> after essentially crushing his dreams. Oh god. It is I now now I'm thinking about it. That was like the that that's the very first episode. So like him meeting his hero and saying like sorry kid, it's not it's not going to happen, dude. Uh count yourself lucky though because look at me, I'm used up. Um and leaving him on the roof just to think about what he said. Uh, that That's a little bit of a... Um, a uh, subliminal message. What, what would have happened if he was suicidal? You know what I mean? Okay. Him being a good mentor. Um, All Might didn't recommend Midoriya for UA. As a number one hero, it would have been easy for All Might to get Midoriya into UA. Especially when... The principal of the school is aware All Might is training as a success, or training a successor instead. All Might uh, has Midoriya take the entrance exam with the other applicants. This allows Midoriya to get in um, on his own merit. All Might even tells Midoriya after the exam that he had no influence on Midoriya's placement, even if Midoriya is far from mastering the quirk one for all. Uh, it's clearly important that All Might, or to All Might, that Midoriya sees his progress in action. This is probably All Might's best decision in Midoriya's training. Uh, yeah, I did not actually know that. I didn't know that at all. Um, I thought he did, like, kind of push him to go into it, but um, I didn't actually think that he had no hand in it. It's been a while since I watched, like, season one, so... Okay, bad mentor. <laughs> um, All Might wasn't up front about One for All. One for All is an incredibly powerful quirk with a complex history. Um, said history would have been detailed to Midoriya before uh, he was given the quirk. It would require a lot of trust on All Might's part, but it's uh, irresponsible not to let Midoriya... Not to let... 
not to tell Midoriya everything. Um, in Midoriya's eyes, his dreams were coming true, so he didn't really understand uh, what he was getting into. Giving Midoriya All Might's quirk uh, made him a target for All for One, as well as every other villain who might want the quirk. Not to mention, if the villains uh, found out All Might is training the next symbol of peace, they may try to kill Midoriya and everyone close to him. Mentor. All Might didn't go easy on Midoriya. Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember- oh, what the- Let's see. Um, All Might definitely has a problem when it comes to favoritism. Out of all the students, Midoriya is the one he spends the most time with, and in the later seasons, that favoritism starts to bleed over to Bakugo as well. But even if Midoriya is his favorite, All Might is far from easy on him when it comes to training. If Midoriya is to become the hero All Might wants him to be, he has to go hard. So, let's see. As All Might says, in the third episode, Midoriya needs to learn how to serve the community. Cleaning up the beach was a good start. Uh, not only did it teach Midoriya uh, humility, but it also taught him discipline. All Might didn't help Midoriya at all, so he had to learn to rely on himself. During the final exams uh, in Season 2, All Might beat Midoriya uh, and Bakugo brutally, a reality they have to face since villains will not go easy on them. Uh, All Might is a tough teacher, but he is teaching lessons Midoriya will need for the future. Okay, bad mentor. All Might let Midoriya enter himself. Yeah, that's kind of what I kind of got upset with All Might. <laughs> like, you're just gonna let him just break his own fingers and arms, but okay. All Might spent nine months training Midoriya so his body would be ready to use one for all. However, that wasn't enough. As soon as Midoriya used it, he broke the bones in all of his limbs. As Midoriya's mentor, All Might should have stopped him from using the quirk further. Midoriya clearly needed to train more uh, to find or, or find another way to train the one for all uh, without hurting himself. Instead, All Might encouraged Midoriya's destructive habits to the point that Midoriya was convinced breaking his bones was the only way to train his quirk. Oh my god. <laughs> I, excuse me, I'm sorry. I, I, I've seen all of the seasons. I'm working on season five, so I'm just seeing, like, Midoriya... <laughs> and his hand just wiggling about in the wind as he's falling. <laughs> it's funny, but it's bad. Like, oh my. Why? <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Uh, the fact that Recovery Girl was the one who told Midoriya to stop and not All Might shows Midoriya's physical health was not a priority for All Might. Oh my god. Good mentor. All Might gave Midoriya a shoulder to cry on. Uh, see, this is why if you haven't um, listened to the podcast of me saying it's called um, Why Parents Should Let Their Kids Watch My Hero Academia, this is one of the reasons why. It's because 
uh, throughout the whole anime show, because um, in the manga it might be different, but um, as far as the anime goes, we don't see, we don't ever see Midoriya's father. So when All Might comes into his life, he's like a father figure to him. So I like the fact that All Might has become like this spiritual father that trains him and raises him up to be a better man and uh, a better hero. So he's not only tough, but he's also gentle with him in the times where he he needs to be um, gentle with him. And I, I love that. Uh, he's a big, he's a very big influence on Midoriya, like a fi father figure. I cannot talk. <sighs> okay, All Might is tough on Midoriya when he needs to be and often expects your hero student. But it's clear All Might cares deeply for him. Other heroes like Endeavor might scoff at a show of emotions, but All Might welcomes it. See, yeah, I like that. That's what a father does. That's what a real father does. As my brain short-circuited, that's what a real father does. He welcomes the show of emotions. Okay? A real father will raise you up, be tough on you, but in areas where you need it will be soft and gentle with you. That's what I'm trying to say. Um... I'm not very big on reading out loud. That's probably one of the reasons why I trip over my words a lot. But when Midoriya is doubting himself or unsure, it's easy for him to go to All Might for advice. Even if sometimes All Might forgets, he recognizes Midoriya is still a child who needs a lot of support um, on his journey to become a great hero. That <laughs> just is beautiful. Alright, bad mentor. We're on number four now. I'm sorry that I didn't count down. Countdown is for losers. Anyway, uh, all my withheld important resources about One for All. Uh, when Midoriya was breaking his bones trying to learn how to use One for All, All Might didn't do much to help him. All Might adapted to the quirk. Uh, very easily when he first received it, so it's understandable that he didn't know how to help Midoriya. If that was the case, All Might should have sought out advice from people who knew about the quirk, but he didn't. Grand Torino, Hemen, Grand Torino, yeah, Grand Torino was the previous user of One for All, uh, Nana Shimura's friend. It stands to reason that he would know a great deal about the quirk, uh, which he did. Minor Midoriya, I'm... My brain's not working anymore. Okay. Midoriya made the most progress with One for All during his internship with Gran Torino. The only reason his internship happened was because Gran Torino reached out to All Might. If it was down to All Might, Midoriya wouldn't have had any progress. Um, good mentor. All Might apologized when he was wrong. Yes. Good man. All Good person. Always apologizes when they're wrong. After events uh, of the Kamino Ward, 
uh, All Might was forced to look back as, at his actions and question them. He comes to the realization that he's been acting too much like a hero and not enough as a teacher. Uh, realizing that he's been failing Midoriya um, and is it's a hard pill to swallow, but he accepts it. Um, it's clear his apology to Midoriya, uh, Inko Izuku's mother, um, comes from the heart. He realizes his mistakes and wants to help her son um, that Midoriya doesn't make the same mistakes as All Might made. Yeah, that was a touching moment. I kind of see how some people think that Inko and Toshinori will be together at some point. I ship it. It's cute. Let's do it. Okay? But, um, no, that was a touching moment. Because, um, it was hard for him to admit that he was wrong. You could even see, like, the animation was flawless with that as well. Bravo. Anyway, bad mentor. <laughs> All Might expects too much too soon. Midoriya is held back, or Midoriya is held back by how often he compares himself to All Might. For a long time, he saw One for All as a borrowed quirk and not his own, uh, which made it harder for him to create his own fighting style. A lot of these problems stem from All Might and his expectations of Midoriya. Um, he treats Midoriya as the new symbol of peace, especially during the UA Sports Festival in episode 1 of season 2. All Might tells Midoriya he will take on All Might's place. This is a lot of pressure to put on uh, a first year hero student who can't control their quirk yet. It was so much pressure that Midoriya felt like he failed All Might when he lost during the one-on-one -on -one fight with Todoroki. Yeah, um, in that season, or in that episode, he basically says, like, I want you to win, or when you win, I want you to say, I am here to tell everybody that you are the, their successor, like, the successor of me and all of that. I was just like, why you gotta do that? Don't push his, put your image on him. Like, he's his own hero. He's, he's gonna be his own type of hero. Sure, he's got your quirk, dude, but no, no, no. He ain't you. He's him. He's Deku. Anyway, good mentor. All Might is teaching his students to be better than him. Aww. See, yeah, that, that's awesome. Anyway, All Might has stated in the first season, heroes used to be different before quirks. Heroes uh, today are more concerned with their images and they often spend too much time comparing or competing with each other. Um, All Might may not have meant to, but he played a part in Hero Society current situation. Um, the world struggling without All Might there to do all of the work, which is why uh, how he's training the next generation of heroes is important. Um, instead of pushing Midoriya and Bakugo to compete with each other, he pushes them to work together. Collaboration is a key component of the students' training. Uh, the world doesn't need another All Might. It needs a group of heroes that focuses on saving and not rankings. I like that. Yay!
Okay, here's something interesting that I found, and I don't know if I like it. Let's find out. Anyway, in Catholic Italy, de-baptism is gaining popularity. Through data, or uh, though data is sparse, the church and Italian atheists agree that two-decade-old process is becoming more common. Like most of his fellow Italians, Mattia... Uh, Nanetti, uh, 25, from the northern city of Bologna, I'm just gonna say that, um, grew up to, grew up with the teachings and sacraments of the Catholic Church and parochial school. Anyway, even his scouting group was Catholic. But in September 2019, he decided uh, the time had come to leave the church behind. He filled out a form that he had found online accompanying with a long letter explaining his reasons and sent everything to the parish in his hometown. Two weeks later, a note was put next to his name in the parish baptism register, formalizing his abandonment of the Catholic Church, and Nanetti uh, became the became one of an increasing, though hard to quantify, number of Italians who have been debaptized. Okay, so people who abandoned their Catholicism decide to go through the church to do that? I mean, if you want to be an atheist, go ahead and choose to be an atheist. You don't have to de-baptize yourself. But, I mean, listen. Catholicism is very strange to me. They have a lot of little meticulous little rituals that they do, which doesn't fly with me. I'm a Christian. I've, I've been baptized and so I, I just don't like that they're de-baptizing people. That sounds very blasphemous to me. So every year in Italy, more and more people choose to go through the simple process, which became available two decades ago at the uh, behest of the Union Rationalist Atheists and Agnostics abbreviation in Italian is U-A-A-R. Okay. Uh, a lack of data makes it difficult to establish how common the phenomenon is, but some dioceses are keeping track. The Diocese of Brescia, east of Milan, said that the di- the Diocesan newspaper um, in August that 75 people asked to be debaptized in 2021 as opposed to the 27th uh, in 2020. Combining this partial data with activity uh, on a wide website, UAAR recently launched where people can register their debaptisms. Robert Roberto uh Grandine, yep, okay, um, National Secretary of the UAAR said the organization estimates that 100,000 people have been de-baptized in Italy. 
um, as I said before, um, if, I don't know, like, if I was a Christian and I chose to be an atheist, I would just stop believing in God. If I really wanted to stop believing in Jesus Christ, I would just be like, I would throw away my Bible and just not care about talking to God or having a relationship with Him. But it's bizarre for me to hear something as de-baptisms. Like, is that something that you have to do? Or is that something that they're choosing to do, is, is to be de-baptized? Is that something that, um, like, what does that even look like? How how do you get de-baptized? I I don't know. Um, that that's kind of weird. <laughs> um, is it just through just a form you fill out, or is there a ritual like not being dipped in water? What happens? That's what I'd like to know. The church is the church does quibble with the word de-baptism. Um, legally and um, theologically, um, experts say this isn't an accurate term. Um, the Reverend Danielle Mombelli, Vice uh, Chancellor of the Diocese of Bercia and Professor of Religious Sciences at the Catholic University of the Sacred Heart in Milan, said it's not possible to erase the baptism because... It's a fact that historically happened and was therefore registered. I kind of, I understand that. I kind of agree with that. Like, like I said, if you don't want to be a Christian or a Catholic anymore, just stop being a Catholic. You are not bound. You shouldn't be bound to a church. You shouldn't be bound to a um Diocese, you shouldn't be bound to the Catholic Church and still be registered as a as a Catholic when when that's you know you're a free person you know I I don't know uh, like I said um, Catholicism has a lot more uh, rules and a lot more regulations I feel like when it comes to their religion and and what they do um, I have never heard of this before this one this one's very new to me. But what the procedure does is formalize the person's abandonment of the church and Mombelli, said Mobelli. Um, while agreeing that it is impossible to cancel baptism, Italy's uh, personal data protection authority now states that everyone has the right to abandon the church. Uh, the debaptism is finalized once an applicant declares the intention to abandon the church and the decision is registered by the church authorities normally by the local bishop it's interesting how they're not saying the the abandonment of christ their their belief in christ they're saying the abandonment of the church you're abandoning the church since when has the church become a deity that's something that i have a problem with the problem is, is that you would rather serve the church and be constrained to so many rules. And this happens in Christian churches as well. I've come, I've come out of one. You've, you've heard this before. You've heard my testimony before. Um, I can understand if you want to abandon a church, that's perfectly fine. 
you can abandon a church. Okay, what we're talking about right now in this has nothing to do with the church. It shouldn't have anything to do with the church. Debaptism is just a fancy word for backsliding. If you want to say, oh, I backslid or I just decided to be an atheist, then go ahead and do it. You shouldn't be bound or registered by the church. You shouldn't have to answer to a church in order to be free of religion. See, I mean, I'm a Christian. I, I hope that you know, everybody who doesn't believe in God does find the find Jesus, you know? Because there are so many churches out there that actually use God as an excuse to do awful things like molest children or uh, take your money from you so you can't feed your children or even just act like a jerk. Um, that's not how God operates. That's not how Jesus Christ operates. I don't know how Catholicism operates that much, but I do know that they believe in Jesus Christ, or they claim to believe in Jesus Christ, but they like to think of the mother as the heroine of everything. So, I don't know. But as far as people being deregistered from the Catholic Church, why do you need, why do they feel the need to register you at all? That's what I'd like to know. Like, I, I don't understand that. Like, I understand attendance because my church, they, they counted people. They counted heads. Like, how many people came into this church? You know, they did that. But registering them as Catholics, it, it kind of makes me feel like we're, we're in India at the moment where um, you can't... You, they have anti-conversion laws to where... Um, you can't, you know, register as a non-Hindu because you were born a Hindu. So if a Hindu becomes a Christian, that's unlawful. So you, they can't change their religion on their license because they have their religion on their license. This makes me feel the same way as the, the de-baptism thing. Like, it's great that you can have the freedom to believe in whatever you believe. That's fine. But why do you have to go to a church to let them know? That's the problem I have with. You're a free person. You shouldn't have to go through the church. But then again, I know Italy, um, who is listening, I love you. I know Italy and um, Catholic countries like Italy operate differently when it comes to doctrine and all that other stuff. So when it, when it comes to Catholicism and their religion. So I understand that y'all have a different process than me. I just feel like if you're a free person, if you are a free human, then you shouldn't have to answer to the Catholic Church in order to tell them, like, listen, I don't believe in your God anymore. I mean, that should just be a given if it's a choice. You shouldn't have to tell the... Vatican. <laughs> you shouldn't have to tell them that. But anyway. But according to canon law, or yeah, can is it canon or canon? Whatever. Anyone who goes through the procedure is committing the crime of apostasy, which uh, Mobelli has said comes with severe consequences. An apostate immediately faces ex excommunication from the church. Without need of trial. 
Kind of like how Scientologists uh, treat their ex-members. Interesting. Is this a cult? Um, this means that the person is excluded from the sacraments, may not become a godparent, and will be deprived of a Catholic funeral. Um, there is a substantial difference between the sin of apostasy and the crime of apostasy, Rebelli said. An atheist commits a sin because um, it's an internal decision and they can be forgiven if they repent. An apostate instead it manifests their will to formally abandon the church externally, so the they face legal consequences for their decision. So, basically... Uh, lawfully, so I, I didn't even know that the Vatican actually had their own laws, but then again, they have their own army, so I should have known that. But, uh, that's interesting how the Vatican and, and the Pope and the, the Catholic Church has their own laws. That's interesting. Y'all have your own nation built upon your religion. Um, I don't like it. I don't think it's something that should happen, but... I mean, it, it, it's there. But, so basically what they're saying is if they decide to formally renounce their belief in Christ and a Virgin Mary, that they are not allowed to be godparents and they are not allowed to have the right to a Catholic funeral. So all of the relatives of that person that had just become atheist, whether or not they're Catholic or not, will not be able to put their son or daughter or family member to rest with a Catholic funeral, like a formal funeral, because of what they did. So you're basically screwing people over. So the Catholic Church is basically screwing people over, um... In, in, in certain ways. That's nice, guys. Deep baptism is not exclusive to Italy. Uh, and the UAAR website includes a section monitoring how, to, how the procedure is being carried out abroad. But only a few countries regulate it. In the, in the rest of the world. But this is in Italy, so why would it... I don't know. Okay. In the rest of the world, humanist and atheist organizations such as Humanist International pay more attention to apostasy than governments do. Um, the reasons behind debaptism vary from person to person, but many of the debaptized described uh, their choice as a matter of coherence. Uh, a 23-year-old from Piacenza, uh, who got debaptized in May 21 said that the first question he asked himself before um, sending his form was do I believe or not believe in what though do you believe in Jesus Christ do you still believe or not anyway um, and the answer was simply no and let me say this real quick Okay, I'm probably going to get a lot of Catholics mad. Probably going to get a lot of Christians upset. But the church is the main reason. Okay, and the way the church operates is the main reason why so many people turn away from Jesus Christ. I said it, okay? 
there are so many Christians out there, especially online. Like I've, I've actually been on Spoon a few times and I've actually had a debate with Christians and this, this, these Christians who were well-educated, mind you, knew a lot about the Bible and talking to this atheist, um, that decided to kind of like debate them and everything. And sure, the atheist kind of sounded like he knew everything too, but guess what? Um, the Christians did not extend the hand of love to him. They did not, they were more, um, how do I say this? They were more focused on the fact that they wanted to prove this atheist wrong. It's not about proving anybody wrong with your faith. It's all about loving people. And when you love people, Christians, Catholics, okay, that proves that God exists just by expressing love to somebody. Love speaks a whole lot more volumes than your voice ever will. Christians, Catholics, okay? It's not about I'm right, you're wrong. It's about I love you. I love you. It's not about I'm right, you're wrong. No, it's about I love you. I love you. And I want you to see how much I love you. Because my love is the reflection of Jesus' love. Okay? One of the main reasons for people who have been brought up in the Catholic Church or even in the Christian Church, okay? Those who have been brought up in church turn away from God. I've been one of them, okay? They turn away from God because of the way the church operates. The way the people operate. They act better than you. They talk better than you. They feel like they're holier than thou, but they turn around and spread rumors about you saying that you're crazy. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Okay? Um, I've been there. I've experienced it firsthand 28 years of my life. Never in my life will I set foot in a church anymore because of that, okay? It will depend on the church, honestly. If I feel the spirit and it's wild and untamed and beautiful, I'm going and I'm be okay, you know what? This is gonna be a party, let's go, all right? But if it's a stale church that I know have people that are evil as hell, I ain't going in there, bye. So yeah, no, I blame the Catholic Church, I blame the Christian Church, I blame the Christian and Catholic community for literally destructing, for the destruction of their own congregation. Congratulations. And of course, I know everybody has their own choice to, to believe in whatever they believe. I'm saying that the majority of people that have attended church in general have turned away because there are so many people out there that say that they're Christians and they act like sinners, that they act like hypocrites. 
And when people see that, no wonder they're turning away from God because the people that they see in church are supposed to be the reflection of Jesus, right? But guess what? They're not being the reflection of Jesus. They're being jerks. They're being awful people. But for many, abandoning the church is a statement against its possessions on the LGBTQ rights. Let me... I kind of went on fire for for a bit. Let me reread that real quick. For many, abandoning the church is a statement against its positions on the LGBTQ rights, euthanasia, and abortion. Nadeddy said that being baptized helped him affirm his own identity as being bisexual. Um, I had to get distance from uh, some of the church's positions on civil rights matters, he said. Uh, the church's stance on sexuality helped push Groppy to seek out de-baptism as well, though he's not affected personally. He finds the Vatican's position on these matters absurd, and he is unhappy with the church, uh, how the church meddles with Italian politics. Didn't, like, a few years ago, Pope Benedict... Uh, say that being gay was a blessing. I mean, I don't agree with it, but forget about my opinions. You already know my opinions. But I I don't know. <laughs> Didn't he say that being homosexual was a blessing even though it it's it's not biblical? You'd think that a lot of people would actually praise him for that, but then again, I think he got demoted as pope. He he Somebody else is in there. I don't pay attention to this stuff unless I read something interesting. But anyway, um, so Francesco Fallians, 22, another person that we're talking about, now going through the debaptism procedure, said, I've been an atheist since uh, basically forever for the church. Uh, being baptized means that you're a Catholic. But that's not the case. I've personally been baptized for cultural reasons more than religious because that's how it goes in Italy. Uh, Fallience believes that if the people who don't truly identify as Catholics are uh, to be debaptized, official percentages of Italian Catholics uh, would be significantly lower. The latest data seems to back him up in 2020 sociologist Francesco Giarelli conducted a large study financed by the Italian Catholic Bishops Conference that uh, concluded that 30% of the Italian population is atheist, around 80% or 18 million people, sorry, the Reverend Alfredo uh, Scaroni, pastor of a town of 9,000 in northern Italy, has noticed an interesting or an increasing number of people distancing themselves from the church. If there, if more than 15% of the population appear uh, at Saturday Mass, he said, it is an achievement. Then again, why are you counting heads like it's a competition? My last church did that, I told you guys. I, I, why does it matter how many people come to your church? Why is that such a problem? Why, why is that such a, a focus for you? 
It's not about the quantity. It's about the quality that you serve the people as a pastor or as a bishop. It doesn't matter how many people come to your church. It's, it's about how much you're going to extend the hand of love to them and under, help them understand themselves and their faith. No wonder people are turning away from you. You're counting their heads like some sort of coin. Like, are people currency over there? The church is having a large conversation on atheism, and from our side, we need to practice more acceptance and attention. He said. Uh, Grenadine of the UAAR said the... Uh, Italians are still unaware of de-baptism uh, as an option. In the past, the association would organize de-baptism days to advertise it, he said, but it turns out that the church itself is de-baptism's best promoter. So this article is everywhere. Um, I just find it interesting because at first we're, we're talking about people who have been registered in the Catholic Church as Catholics being de-baptized because at one time they were baptized, meaning that they are Catholic, um, now being de-baptized. I don't like the fact that they're saying de-baptized because that's just, that just sounds like blasphemy to me. But, um, since there's no, like, ritual, like, I wouldn't say it's a ritual because it is something that Christians do and I believe in it. But when it when it comes to like baptizing, it's uh, an act of commitment to your father, to, to their heavenly father. So I understand that now it, it's not an act like you don't like undip somebody in the water. So it's just basically a form you fill out, which is fine. I'm glad that it doesn't have like an act where you get debaptized. I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing, but I'm glad that I'm not seeing it in this uh, article because then that would be something borderline satanic. But um, my mind is going a million miles a minute because it, it's just it is seeing this article as very interesting and I, I love learning about this stuff even though it's kind of strange and very blasphemous I, I just <laughs> I don't understand like if Jesus died for your sins and you're a free person you are free to believe in Jesus Christ or not God don't make you like I don't understand but then again, I'm a Christian, I'm a Pentecostal, so, I mean, I'm not somebody that believes that if I'm automatically baptized, I'm automatically a Catholic, despite where my roots are. But, because in Christianity, you have the choice whether to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's a choice. That's something intimate that you do with Jesus Christ. That's something that you do personally, one-on-one -on -one with Christ, you say, you know, I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to become the savior of my life. I ask you into my heart. I want to have a relationship with you. That's how we do it. That's how Christians do it. Um, I know Catholics, they probably go straight to baptism and that's fine. Um, but Christians, they, they just have a choice whether or not to believe in God. So if someone who you know, once had Jesus in their heart and just decides to backslide, 
they have the right to do that. There's no form, there's no process, there's no database to be accessed with that. It's just them making a choice whether or not to go to church or read the Bible or serve God or worship. It's not something that I would wish upon anybody because, I mean, I believe that Jesus is my savior and I, I want to share him with everybody. I do. Not in a uh, stuck-up way, though, because I, I hate stuck-up Christians. I, I just can't stand them. But anyway... Uh, whatever the Vatican is at the center of a controversy, we see the access to our website grows dramatically, uh, said Grenadine, um, pointing out that on two days in June, traffic on the UAAR website went from a daily average of 120 visitors to more than 6,000. Not... Um, Coincidentally, perhaps a few days earlier, the Vatican sent a note to the Italian government asking to change some of the language in a proposed law aimed to criminalizing discrimination by uh, based on sex, gender, sexual orientation, and gender identity and disability. Okay, well, that one was an interesting, um, Lord, that took 30 minutes to go through. Um, that was a big article. Um, my thoughts, like I said, like, I don't know why the Catholic Church has to count heads and register everybody as Catholic when they're already free people and they can choose whether or not to believe. That's their business. They shouldn't have to go to the church and be like, listen, I'm an atheist now. I mean... You know, it's, it's just strange to me. It's it's something that I just don't understand. If you want to not be a Catholic anymore, you can be a, not a Catholic. You don't have to go to the Vatican and be like, Listen, bro, I'm not a Catholic anymore, so deregister me, please. I, I don't know how the Vatican operates. I know it's very sinister. I know it's got a lot of secrets and all of that stuff. One of these days, I might just... uh talk about that in my conspiracy theories down the rabbit hole, but uh, now that it's about 30 minutes and 29 seconds, I have to get to the next story. This was an amazing article to read. I mean, I don't like the fact... I don't like the issue, but it is something that I... I... I'm grateful for learning, I guess. You know what, after that whole article, we're gonna take a break, cause, oh my god, that was a lot. Okay, this one might be a little scary, but me and my husband talked about it yesterday, so I kind of found it uh, something that I have to read now. Hopefully it's still there, because... I would be very upset if it's not there. Now I gotta find it. It's not here. Ooh. No?
Excuse me, I know it's taking a little bit, but... I WANTED to read it! It was about somebody finding a tapeworm in their brain. I kind of wanted to read it. But now I can't find it because this dang app won't let me keep my place. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Do I have a search bar? I'm pretty sure I do. found in man's brain believed to have been there 20 years. Jesus Christ! What in the world is wrong with you? No, you I I chose to do this. You know what? Um, if As long as the picture don't move, I'll be fine. A Massachusetts man came into the hospital with seizures. Doctors found a tapeworm in his brain. God, what the heck were you eating, dude? A man was... A man was brought into a Massachusetts hospital after he woke up seizing and speaking gibberish, and doctors later discovered tapeworms inside his brain. Jesus Christ, what- oh my lord. Um, if you guys haven't noticed, I have a very big fear of worms. Any worm at all. And actually, anything without appendages, a face, or legs, or fur, okay? It's not- it's not an animal to me. It's not an insect to me. That is like th that is I've the got child of Satan. To get rid of this bozo. Well, the entire <laughs> scheme I've been setting up for eighteen years goes up in smoke. <laughs> that was a uh, that was some good timing, baby. That was good timing. Anyway, yeah. The minute I start talking about worms being the thing that Satan birthed himself, Hades starts speaking on my phone. I don't know what that means. <laughs> anyway, let's see. A case study published in the New England Journal of Medicine said the 38-year-old patient was disoriented, held an involuntary upward gaze, and uh, could not respond to commands. Doctors at Massachusetts General Hospital um, conducted various exams to locate the source of his seizures. Tests showed uh, he had a parasitic infection, infection called uh, cystic chirosis, a condition that can cause seizures if it spreads to the brain. A person gets cystic, uh, cystic chirosis by swallowing eggs found in the feces of a person who has an internal tapeworm. An intestinal tapeworm. You mean to tell me that this man somehow got a hold of an egg that was in somebody's booty that somehow got into his food and he ate it. Booty. Booty. That's nasty. According to the 
<laughs> the way the way I'm thinking about it is probably completely wrong, but um, according to the U.S. Centers of Disease and Control and Prevention, um, the highest rates of cystic cirrhosis are found in areas to, that have poor sanitation and free-range pigs that have access to human feces, according to the CDC. Listen, I know what the CDC does, dude. Okay. Or actually, I should say the FDA. The CDC is all about health. The FDA. You know what they feed the pigs that that go into our ham? They feed them everything. <laughs> I told you. I asked you if this was going to gross you out. Turn shit off. <laughs> all of the out-of-date food. Do that shit when I'm not here, man. <laughs> All of the out-of-date food that is thrown away, packaging and all, they feed to the pigs. They grind it up, and they feed it to the pigs. So, anyway. Let's see. The studies conducted showed the man had three brain lesions, and researchers believed he's lived with the tapeworms for the past 20 years. How could you live that way? I, um, the patient was admitted to the neurosciences in intensive care unit and given a levitariacetam therapy. I don't even know what I just said. <clears throat> a medicine often used for epilepsy. Okay. Um, 12 hours after he was admitted, the patient was exubated and discharged five days later with no further seizure activity. That's the whole thing. We just know that he might have eaten an egg from a pig booty on accident. See, you don't just get worms or tape worms from that. You, You get it from raw eggs or um, uncooked meat. There's a lot of things in meat that a lot of people don't realize. Um, And since my husband is sitting right in front of me, I don't think he wants to listen. But let's just say there's a lot of nasty diseases in meat. (laughs) Let's just say that. Let's just say that. Next up is world news. Let's go. First up is Denmark. Okay. Let's look at some stories from Denmark real quick. Today in Denmark, a roundup of the news on Thursday. So, several minutes. Well, of course, I gotta try and pay for it. Forget you. Council of Europe Congress concluded electoral mission in Denmark. Denmark nears 4,000 new cases of COVID-19 in one day. Wrestling Denmark... No, hang on. Denmark honors six senior... No. I'm kind of... 
wanted I wanted to read that. Alright, I guess this will do. I don't like to depress my uh, European um, listeners, but whatever. It's fine. Listeria outbreak has sickened nine in Denmark. Danish officials are investigating a years-long outbreak of listeria infections that has infected nine people from 2018 through this month. Uh, the Staten's Serum Institute, the SSI, Danish uh, Veterinary and Food Administration, and DTU Food Institute, are trying to find the source of the infections. Um, are you done? It's, it sounds like you're done, honey. <laughs> um, the same type of listerio... Babe, you're done. The smoothie is gone. <laughs> are you serious? Uh, this... The sounds of my husband. <laughs> the type of listeria monocytogens have been found in nine people from late 2018 to November 2021. The four patients this year have all only recently become ill. Two people feel sick or fell sick. Uh, in both 2018 and 2019, and one case uh, was recorded in 2020. Among the sick are seven women aged from 35 to 95 years old and two children younger than five. They have all... They live all over the country. All nine Danish patients have been hospitalized, but... There have not been any deaths. Whole genome sequencing um, showed samples of the outbreak patients to the to be closely related, with means it is likely to come from the same source. So related, like blood relatives, or just related causes. Interviews with patients. Um, or their relatives revealed that they had not been traveling, uh, do not know each other, or have not participated in the same events. Danish officials uh, said uh, this suggests a food sold throughout the country is the common source of the infection. The Staten's Serum Institute, or the SSI, has... Um, communicated about the outbreak via the European Center of Disease Prevention and Controls, or the ECDC, um, EpiPulse platform, and so far nine countries have replied saying they have not registered listeria cases with the same sequence type. About listeria infections, food contaminated with listeria, microcinogens, uh, may not look or smell spoiled, but can still cause serious and uh, sometimes life-threatening infections. Um, anyone who has developed symptoms of listeria infection should seek medical treatment and tell their doctors about the possible listeria exposure. 
people uh, should monitor themselves uh, for food poisoning symptoms during the coming weeks because it can take up to 70 days after exposure to listeria for such symptoms to uh, of list- listerosis <laughs> to develop. Are you okay, honey? Symptoms of listeria <laughs> infection can include uh, vomiting, nausea, persistent fever, mu- muscle aches, uh, severe headache, and neck stiffness. Uh, specific laboratory tests are required to diagnose listeria infections. Um, which can mimic their illnesses. Pregnant women, the elderly, young children, and people such as cancer patients who have weakened immune systems are particularly at risk for serious illnesses. Um, Life-threatening infections and other complications, although infected, pregnant women may experience uh, only mild flu-like symptoms, and their infections can lead to premature delivery. Infection of the newborn or even a stillbirth. Good lord. Alright, that was news from Denmark. Next is the United Arab Emirates. Okay, found one. Let's do it. Two UAE princes each got their own personal NSO spyware. Babe, are you okay? Go to bed. (laughs) I'm almost done. I got one more story after this. Okay? Yeah, I know. I know. Why does the UAE, the one country with a joint federal military, police, and security force, need two separate NSO spyware systems held by two different leaders? That's what I'd like to know. The Israeli cyber firm uh, NSO um, sold its Pegasus mobile phone hacking software to two different leaders of the Arab United Arab Emirates, Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi <laughs> um, ruler Mohammed bin Zayed, and Dubai ruler Sheikhin Sheikh Mohammed bin. Rashid Makatom. That, I'm sorry. I know I mispronounced you. Your names. Um, the maker has learned that the prints of each of these clients paid in dollars is a seven to eight figure number. Oh, well, that's why they paid him a lot of money for it. Anyway, why does the country with a joint federal military police and security force under the command of Bin Zaid need two separate spyware systems held by two different leaders? Um, One possibility is due to the internal politics and rivalries between the seven emirates and the UAE. Uh, The heads of the two must our most prominent uh, principalities wish to have their own system as far as um, currently known. The heads of the other five uh, have not sought to acquire a system of their own. Another possibility uh, recently borne out uh, 
is that one of the rulers sought to use the system for personal ends in the violation of NSO's terms of use, which are supposed to limit the use restrictly or strictly to combating terrorism and violent crime. In this case, the one who made personal use of the system is Bin Rashid al Makaton. Alright. Um, according to the ruling last month by the UK High Court of Justice, the Dubai um, potentate used the NSO Pegasus system to hack into the mobile phones of his estranged wife and five members of her entourage. Well, sir. That was naughty. Uh, while the couple was conducting a court battle in London for custody of the future of their two children, among those uh, whose phones were hacked were the two of the princess's lawyers. Um, one of the one of these is Fiona Shackleton, a high-powered celebrity lawyer and conservative member of the House of Lords. Uh, as expected, British media took umbrage to the surveillance by a prominent leader in the UAE country uh, considered to close a, cl a close ally of the UK um, against a member of the House of Lords, but NSO is also using the story to show that it's uh, making efforts to enforce its terms of use as the company uh, was the one who informed British authorities uh, the surveillance upon detecting it. This single also, or this angle, uh, also includes celebrities. According to uh, reports of the UK confirmed by the NSO, the company revealed that. Um, Information to Cherie Blair, a powerful British attorney who works for NSO, and Blair, the wife of former Prime Minister Tony Blair, was the one to hand the information to Barrister Shackleton. According to the NSO findings handed to the British government, as reported by the Guardian, Princess Haya, um, let's see phone was hacked 11 times under Bin Rashid al Makatom, um his direction or knowledge yielding 500 images of some 65 megabytes of data equivalent to 24 hours of continuous audio taken from her device. Oddly, um, while the British judge ruled that the findings constitute a complete violation of trust and the illegal use of force, uh, British police have closed their investigation uh, into the matter. Um, let's see. The princess's 2019 escape from Dubai to London with her children and the couple's struggle uh, have financed the British public but are also a vivid example of the NSO's clients make of its products. Uh, in some cases, including the sale of two systems uh, to two separate rulers in the UAE, the Pegasus system was only sold 
following heavy pressure from the Israeli government. Y'all gotta blame Israel for everything, right? As part of the diplomatic warming between Israel and the UAE, uh, yet the system, a regular use, embarrassed NSO and caused the third bout of bad publicity um, the company has sustained since it blacklisted by the U.S. last week. Well, that's just... That's not good. I need to get back to here. Please, thank you. Here is the last story, guys. Canada struggles to reach 18,000 stranded by floodwaters. British Columbia rooters, uh, this comes from the source rooters. Anyway, um, Canada was still trying to reach 18,000 people stranded on Thursday after floods and mudslides destroyed roads, houses, and bridges in what could be the costliest natural disaster in the country's history. Receding floodwaters <laughs> were helping rescue uh, efforts, but the downpour blocked off entire towns in the province of British Columbia and cut access to the country's largest port in Vancouver. Um, disrupting already strained global supply chains. Premier, Premier um, John Horgan said the death toll would most likely rise from the one confirmed fatality. Uh, many towns are mountainous areas to the east and the northwest of Vancouver with limited access. Residents in Merritt uh, which has been cut off for almost four days, told CTV on Thursday that waters were um, starting to drop and a bridge was reopened. Late on uh, Wednesday, emergency workers were able to temporarily open a narrow road to Hope, which had also been cut off since Sunday. Uh, once people had left the road, uh, would be closed again, the, the provincial government said. Okay. At the point, the city of Abbotsford to the east in Vancouver um, feared the waters would overwhelm their pumping station and force the evacuation of 160,000 residents. That's awful. Major Henry Braun... Um, said on Thursday there had been no change in the status of the pumping uh, station and water was receding at a pretty good rate in some parts. We continue to move towards the recovery phase of this emergency, he told uh, a briefing while uh, noting that there were more heavy rain uh, that was forecasted for the week. 
Um, we are not out of this by a long shot yet, he said, adding he had been promised help by federal prime minister Justin Trudeau and many provin provincial ministers. I take them all um, at their word, but I've also prepared them for one big bill at the end of this, he said, estimating that it would cost up to one billion or 792 million um, to repair local damage. His country suggests the final amount will far exceed uh, 3.6 billion in insured losses. Wow. From wildfires that hit Alberta's oil producing region of Fort McMurray in May 2016. Mm. I'm starting to get tired. <laughs> Easily the costliest and um, natural disaster in Canadian history uh, won't even be close, tweeted University of Calgary economics professor Blake Schaefer, a specialist in climate policy. Um, the disruption to Vancouver's operations is set to ex exacerbate existing supply chain issues and could even make Christmas trees um, harder to find, Farmer said. I don't know why they got just links in the middle of the article that don't even work. But One of these who managed to get out of hope was Simon Fraser, University Professor Edna Brophy. Um, if there's anything to be learned from this experience is that we are woefully underprepared for the environmental disasters that are on the way. Um, we can barely cope with the ones that we have, he said by phone. A massive wildfire in the same region during a heat wave uh, this summer may have left hills to devoid of vegetation. Um, that contributed to the flooding and mudslides. Let's see. The federal government in Ottawa is promising to send hundreds of their Air Force personnel to British Columbia and says thousands more are on standby. That was a lot to read, you guys. I will see you in the trenches next time. Love you. Bye.